Today's show is sponsored by CastCartel.com, the largest online premium spirits marketplace. Think of CastCartel.com as the Amazon of the spirits world because they connect consumers to numerous local licensed retailers that operate with a third-party shipping platform. CastCartel.com's goal is convenience for you, their customer. If you're searching for hard-to-find products or your everyday drinker, CastCartel.com wants to help. Follow and engage with CastCartel.com on Instagram, and you may even receive free samples to taste and review yourself. CastCartel.com also knows shipping is everyone's number one turnoff. Check out their website regularly for discounts or sign up for their newsletters. Remember, CastCartel.com, changing the industry standard. I want to do a pick and call it Zeke's Cupcakes. Cupcakes. <laughs> you would, Buttercup. Maybe that's what the enemy role is called. We should call Zeke's it Zeke's Cupcakes. <laughs> it does, I mean, it does taste like cornbread and Twizzlers. <laughs> also known as Cupcakes. Say, <laughs> man, it's a jacked up cupcake. <laughs> what kind of cupcakes you're eating? Yeah. Georgia Cupcakes. They asked our tasting notes, and I said it tastes like cornbread and Twizzlers. And you still picked it. Which, John's like, which coincidentally I ate on the way up here for breakfast. I'm not a man of my teeth. I actually did have cornbread for breakfast because I cooked it yesterday. Oh, I wasn't joking about that part. Yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have Twizzlers, but I had cornbread. You don't get to be my size by uh, eating healthy. Turn bread. Well, it is healthy. It's just a different kind of healthy. It's like southern healthy eating. Yeah. I'm cornbread strong. <laughs> right there was a healthy meal that boy put down. Carbs and veggies. Nothing wrong with that. It is a vegetable. Cornbread? <laughs> or cupcakes? Cornbread. <laughs> Man. Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and with me is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. How y'all doing? How you doing? It is a full house. I feel like Danny Tanner tonight, because we have a full house in here. We have our Uncle Jesse and Joey, and that is Seth Brown and Aaron Cave from the Firewater Review. Thank you guys so much. This is our yearly trip where we get to hang out together. So cut it out. Seth is much more of a Joey. And I think Aaron is much more of a, an Uncle Jesse. He's more the badass that like would pick up the guitar and go play with the Beach Boys. And Seth is more of the like, guy. Which, which one has the mullet? But thinking back on the earlier they episodes, both had, they both had mullets. They all of the above. <laughs> but tell me you could not picture Seth with a Mr. Woodchuck puppet going like, Is that table made of what? I'm just amazed you remember that much about Full House, John. You still oh. watching the reruns? What was the dog's name? I don't know. Comet. You know better than I know there was the three sisters or whatever. Yeah. Or four. And that was it. So who's who's the one who bribed to get the kids into college? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that was, that was Is that uh, me? No, that was Lori Laughlin. Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky, yeah. Yeah. She That's got cut I mean. out of, of Fuller House. Yeah, she did. 
headlines. But they made headlines. The, the problem about that, <laughs> and and I do have to introduce Bill Straub from Four Four Gate Whiskey. <laughs> thank you for thank you for joining. Just introduce myself. It's fine. No, it's cool because this is a good conversation. You should join. <laughs> The thing is that the daughter was this like Instagram influencer or YouTube influencer and was making like a million dollars a year. And her mom was like, I want you to go to college. And she's like, I don't really think I need to go to college. If I go to college, I'm just going to party. And she's like, no, you should go to college anyway. And then bribed to get her into USC where all she did was party on like the head mount, the, the, what are the guys? They're the deans, but they're the chancellors. And yeah, she was on their their yacht. Like when when the whole thing dropped that Aunt Becky got in trouble, she was on some yacht with the chancellor, the chancellor, the chancellor's daughter. At no point was I ever on a boat or yacht or pontoon of anything related to a chancellor of college. I know. There. I'm on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing your. Not Uncle Fame. Pashmina Afghan. Afghan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should also mention that we have Jeremy Kinsley, <laughs> who's over there. I feel like he's more of a Stephanie Tanner. Because we're all talking. I was like the neighbor, the, the neighbor girl. Is. You are not Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> <laughs> but you're more of a Stephanie Tanner because we're all sitting here talking and we haven't introduced you yet. And you're like, how rude. <laughs> But it's always good to have Jeremy here as well. So it is a full crew. Seth and Aaron and Jeremy and I picked a barrel at MB Rolling today. Zeke baked cupcakes instead of going. <laughs> In his trunk of his car. And <laughs> Bill, it, it was funny. I've been talking to Bill for a while. And Bill was like, I actually listen to your guy's show. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry for you. I didn't. I didn't know. I, you did. I really don't have a life, so <laughs> he's like, I'm in the car selling whiskey a lot. I asked Bill. I said, Do you mind? You know, these guys are going to come in. Do you care if we we get everybody together? And I know everybody trusts the palate of Seth and Aaron and Jeremy, and and we know it would be a good time. So we just want to have everybody together. But Bill, I do want to make this focus on you because we we have a show already with with Seth and Aaron and Jeremy today, but. You started Four Gate Whiskey. This is something you did with a friend in Louisville, and, and I want to let you tell your story, but you ended up taking 11-year-old whiskey, focused on the finishing mm -hmm. on there. So what made you decide to actually start a whiskey company to begin with? You know, it's kind of a long story. I started uh, I started a blog about five and a half years ago, modernthirst.com, and um, I didn't know it at the time. I'd just always been into whiskey since college. Um, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and if you grew up there, there's just bourbon everywhere. I mean, you go to a wedding, and there's going to be Old Forester on the bar, and if there's not, someone asks, where's the bourbon? It's just always been a part of, of what you do in Louisville when you grew up there. I had a background in writing and a background in, in whiskey, I guess, from that, and, and I just kind of put them together and started this blog with a buddy of mine. And it just it happened to be the right time. It was right at the beginning of the bourbon boom, um, and our readership grew slowly for about a year and then after that it exploded so we had we we're getting about 300,000 views a month and it was just kind of getting out of hand people started asking me to do barrel picks for them it grew from there we were doing barrel picks we were doing um, different blends and things like that and then I had some national brands ask me to help them launch new labels we met a couple of times on, on strategizing how we wanted those labels to look and then they told us based on that how they wanted to taste so they had me come help them blend to a taste and that bugged me because it was always to what they wanted. And every time I gave them advice, it was always like, no, nah, we want to go this direction. And it, it just, 
it annoyed me. And I, uh, through a friend of mine, I met uh, Bobby D'Antoni, who's my business partner, and he introduced me to Kelvin Cooperage. And it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. If you've ever been to any of the big Cooperages, it's really a factory at a lot of these places. And they bring in 40 barrels at once, and they shoot you know, gas-powered flames up into them for 30 seconds, and that's how they char them. Kelvin's smaller, and they literally uh, they take their own shavings of, of wood and turn them into charcoal and scoop them with a shovel into a barrel and do about eight at a time and let it burn for 10 minutes. That's how they char them. It's all by hand. It's amazing. And it just kind of fascinated me, and it kind of that started percolating in my head for a while. The same time, I had a writer from Modern Thirst who introduced me to Scotch and other world whiskeys. I'm still a bourbon guy for the most part, but I love the fact that you could take world whiskeys who are all the same mash bill. It's all just malted barley, but they age them in a thousand different kinds of barrels, and you get a thousand different flavors. And I started thinking, well, I know there's barrel finishing out there, but no one's doing the stuff that I want to do. No one's doing. No one's really pushing the envelope with it. No one's doing anything different. So I called up my buddy who had, you know, Bobby, and I said, uh, do you think Kelvin would be interested in, in working with us to try to do something different? And he said, yeah, I think they would. And I said, would you be interested in doing it with me too? And he said, absolutely. So we kind of launched it from there, and, and it, it was really quick. We went out and talked to five or six people uh, to invest with us, and, and I don't think we really got a no out of it. <laughs> I mean, in Louisville, hard as it might be to believe, it's kind of popular to invest in bourbon these days. So... Uh, this all started about a year, maybe 14 months ago, and we've already had one batch, and we're getting ready to bottle uh, two more batches uh, here in two weeks. And I can tell you, not only did we want to have you here, because I kind of feel like you're one of us that grew up, you know, and, and I think everything you say in your story, I know Zeke's sitting there going like, I like blending. <laughs> I, I, I like doing some of this stuff, and... and uh, I think it's kind of one of those things that we all secretly wish we could do a little bit more is, is getting into that blending side of it, getting into the creativity side of it and, and actually forming something. And I think you cover something for so long on your own that eventually you probably get that right. itch to, to want to go try it. Yeah. At some point, everyone who covers something wishes, you know, if you're a sports writer, you wish you were actually playing the sport or you think you're the better manager than a manager. Uh, in, in my case, I, I just, you know, one thing I don't want to do is, is I've always said I don't want to put out a bourbon that everyone else is already doing. So we're going to try to push the envelope a little bit and we want to kind of challenge some palates. The first batch we put out that we have here is, is uh, we call it the Kelvin Collaboration since we collaborated with Kelvin Cooperage, obviously. The barrels were originally Oloroso sherry barrels in Spain, and then they went down to the Caribbean, and the company aged a batch of rum in them. So they were dual use before we ever got them. We had blended the whiskey before we had those barrels. We had, we had uh, we, we brought in a series of 11-year-old barrels, and I picked three different blends of about 14 barrels each. And uh, we had a group in Louisville taste them with us and pick the ones we liked. They, they, the ones that they picked are the, were, were our favorites as well. We had, I had blended that one towards kind of a, a baking spice and spicy sweet flavor as opposed to one was oaky and one was really peppery. So uh, not cornbread and Twizzlers? No cornbread and Twizzlers. No, no Z cupcakes on this one. Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, when you did those blends, mm-hmm. were they all same mash bill? Yeah, same? Then, so those were all the same barrels. We, we've bought barrels ranging from, uh, at this point, about three years old, maybe a little younger than that, up through 12 years old. At the time, 11 years old was our oldest. And when we, we wanted our first batch to kind of come out of the gate with a bang, so we picked our oldest stuff at the time. They helped us pick, I guess, the, the kind of spicy, um, sweet and spicy barrel blend. 
And then uh, we sat down with Kelvin Cooperage and had them taste it. And we said, you know, we think this is kind of spicy. We think something somewhat sweet would go well with this. And they said, let's go out in the warehouse. I got something you got to check out. And if you if you ever go to Kelvin Cooperage, it's if you're into barrels, if you think it's cool, it's like Disneyland for for fat old white guys like me. I mean, they they have these thousands of barrels out there, and some are wine barrels and. He had these six barrels sitting aside, and they were the sherry rum barrels. And he said, I want you to smell these. And when we went to smell them, they smelled like maple syrup. They were just amazing, 59 gallons each. And we said, we'll take all six of them. That determined our batch size. So we would have probably had more bottles, but that was all they had of them. So we put them in there, and we let them rest for about 90 days. I'm not a fan of over-finishing anything. I really don't want a heavy finish. I, I thought our whiskey was pretty good starting out. The only flaw with it, I thought, was it had a really short finish. I kind of wished it kind of lingered a little, a little bit more. Um, and, and we knew that, that doing the rum and sherry was going to give you a mouth coating. Um, and it only took about 90 days. We didn't want to go too far because I, I still want to taste like bourbon. I don't want it to taste like sherry or rum with a bourbon hint or something like that. So when it was ready, we pulled it. And then it came out in April of this year. We had uh, 1,732 bottles out of batch one. I know someone in Nashville who probably bought the majority of those 1,700. I need to send them my card, apparently. So yes. Now, moving forward, will you have more than 1,700 in a batch? I know you're working on batch two and batch three right yeah, now. Yeah, so we have, we have a couple of batches coming out. Uh, the, I'll, I'll talk about batch two. We're, we're going to keep some other ones kind of under wraps for just a little bit. But uh, the second batch is going to have uh, a little over 2,200 bottles, I think. Our plan is to grow it slowly. We're only distributed in Kentucky and Tennessee right now. We're going to open up Indiana probably late next year, early 2021. We never intend to saturate a market. I mean, when, when you come out at the price point we do, there's only so many buyers that are going to support that. So we don't need five, 6,000 bottles floating around Kentucky or Tennessee. It's, it's just, we don't need to sit in there forever. So we would rather have enough for people who want it uh, in each area and then open up a new area than try to oversaturate one that already, already has our product in it. So Tennessee's getting more of batch two. Our distributor down here is Lipman Brothers, and they're pretty, pretty excited about our, our next batch. Couple questions I would have is I know this batch one is 199 mm-hmm. for MSRP. Is batch two going to be the same MSRP? Yeah, it's the exact uh, exact same price. It was the same cost to us to produce. When we come at the batch price, we don't come out thinking it's going to be 200. dollars And when we start making the batch, we literally add up our hard costs and put in the the standard industry markup profit margin. Uh, so there's no, and we don't have any labor at all. We're not actually taking money out of it yet, uh, my partner and I. So it's literally what what it costs us plus small markup so does that piss off your better halves right now because they're like oh yeah you're doing this whiskey thing according to my wife it's a hobby it's not not a job in any sort of way and and that that's annoying because it's a lot of time it's a lot of hours that's something i want to ask too because even when it comes to modern thirst was that just your whiskey hobby yeah, so Modern Thirst, it, we get income from Modern Thirst. It's, it's, we use it more to support that website than, than we take out of it to live on. Well, no, but I'm just saying, like, was that That's still considered that a way. hobby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, I'm not saying you considered it a hobby. I'm asking yeah. if... Yeah. yeah. We'll go with yes on that, yeah. I don't want to get you in just trouble. Just to protect my marriage, I'll go with yes. I That's don't want to get you in trouble, but I just want to say the support group meets Thursdays at 7. I know Seth and Aaron and Zeke, and we, we all can... I keep telling there. my wife everything in the basement is a hobby. She doesn't <laughs> believe me, but, you know, all those bottles, yeah, that's a hobby <laughs> and an investment. You don't understand. Zeke and I sit around and have microphones. <laughs> it's not just a hobby. Someday. Someday. Professionals.
Let's talk about patch two because you said you wanted to talk about it a little bit more. Um, yeah. What's what's the and I do want to go back and talk a little bit about tasting notes of batch one. But okay. tell me a little bit more about batch two, the years that went into it. Is it still going to be that same finish, or did you change up the finish no, type it's on a, it? It's totally different. So one one thing we're going to do is again I said um, we want to kind of challenge palates a little bit. The first batch we. The stuff we use is sherry and rum. Now, I've never heard of a dual-use sherry rum barrel being used to finish bourbon, but I've heard of both sherry and rum. So we were pretty confident coming out of the gate that the flavors were going to work. The second batch, uh, we had blended a five-and-a-half-year and 12-year-old Kentucky bourbon. Um, we really liked the flavor of it. And uh, the guys at Kelvin took us out to smell these barrels, and the first thing they said was orange curacao. Now, I hate orange curacao as a finish. I think it overpowers the bourbon. I think it winds up tasting like you're drinking a, a super sweet cocktail or something like that. And they said, well, hear me out. Then it was used to age gin. And I thought, Whoa. yikes. Uh, my initial response was yikes. So we went out to the warehouse and uh, these things were soaking wet. And we poured out you know, half a gallon out of one of the barrels into a bowl to, to smell what was in there. And it smelled exactly like orange tang. I don't know if you yeah. remember oh, orange yeah. tang. Oh, yeah which was completely not what I was expecting. It, it threw me off and I thought, okay, this has potential. I, I wanna see how this goes. And uh, so we, we put our, our whiskey in there and it took 30 days. And at 30 days we said, nope, we don't want to go any farther, but it's really good right now. Uh, we actually, before we put it in, we bumped up the, the percentage of 12 year in the blend because it's a little spicier, a little sweeter, and we wanted to offset the, the kind of sweet and sour, I guess you would say, of the, the orange tang. So it's an orange curacao gin barrel. They came out at about 120 proof. We originally wanted to name it, I guess I can say it on the radio because we couldn't get it approved on the labels. I'm a little bit of a nerd, and I remember my dad telling me when I was a kid, when I was drinking Orange Tang, he said, Orange Tang became famous because John Glenn drank it on the 1962 Mercury mission. That's one of those moments that just stuck in my head because I'm weird. So we tried to name it Mercury 62, and the lawyers came back to us and said, do you own a 1962 Mercury? And we said, no. And they said, uh, good, because you don't have permission from Ford, right? I said, no, we don't have permission. Why would we? It's named after the Mercury space mission. Oh, do you have permission from NASA? I said, all right, screw this. We're changing the name. So we named it Outer Loop Orbit, uh, which Outer Loop is the uh, street on which Kelvin Cooperage is located, and then Orbit pays homage to the Mercury 62 mission. Um, so the lawyers couldn't say no to that. I don't think they knew what the hell we were talking about when we submitted it to them. But they put a bunch of letters in the middle of a bowl and scrambled them. You should have told them Mercury 62 was your porn name. <laughs> <laughs> like Mercury was the street I grew up on and 62 was the it's year I first got a dog, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, so the naming thing was a big fiasco and eventually we just kind of, kind of threw something out and... and uh, it, it, the naming wasn't as cool as I wanted it to be, but, but I like it in the end just because we like to pay homage to Calvin Cooper's. Everything we do, we collaborate with Calvin. They're, you know, they've been at this for decades. The, um, you know, it was founded by a, a guy in, in Glasgow, Scotland, and his two sons moved it to the U.S. in the 1990s, I think it was. And they're in Louisville. The building they're in has always been a Cooperage since the 1920s, and um, you know, they do a wonderful job. It's, it's fantastic stuff. They supply a lot of the, the, name, the new names that you've heard of today, their barrels, and, and it makes a difference, the barrels they use. And they do both new and used stuff. And they've worked with us so closely, no one knows more what a barrel does to whiskey than the guys at Kelvin Cooperage. So we rely on them for this finishing. I don't need to tell them what type of barrels we want. They tell us, for the most part. Not to cut you off, but Zeke and I have been getting into the barrels 
more and more and it wasn't necessarily stuff that we did it wasn't like we sat there and said oh oh we're gonna dive in and figure out more mm-hmm. what goes on with barrels but what really happened is we had like uh you know dan gardner from four roses mm-hmm. came in yeah i know dan and everybody knows dan yeah. and everybody dan knows dan. all you gotta do is say hey dan how was your night and you got a two-hour podcast all done for you but dan is one of my favorite people in the whole entire world and the last time we had him on, he was talking about closed staves versus open staves mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. And then we happened to have Greg Snyder on from Chicken Cock. And it turns out that Greg Snyder worked at the Brown Foreman Cooperage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then he took that conversation that we had with Dan and just took it to another level. So the past two months... We have been very focused on barrels and not necessarily meaning to. And it was just one of those things where we always kind of take the conversation. We do our homework going in. So we know about the brand. We know about the person. Sorry, I do my homework going in. Zeke just made a face. He makes cupcakes. <laughs> he makes cupcakes. Zeke, Zeke shows up in his trunk. And so Everybody's I, got a role, man. Yeah. I'm the play-by-play. He's the analyst. He's, he's the Bill Walton <laughs> of the group. That's why he's the best in the game. Yeah. Bill Walton, Jesus. Bill, Wal- <laughs> Bill Walton talks about solar panels in the middle of a broadcast. Or- he might still be on LSD during some of them. Nobody Good really day. knows. Good you day. know he was the first guy inducted into the Grateful Dead Hall of Fame? Was he really? It does not surprise yeah. me. It doesn't surprise me. But Outer Loop Orbit here, it's kind of the only thing that, that I know of is, you know, Ardbeg has the Corvecian which actually they claim got sent up to space, quote unquote. This one actually never made it to orbit. So Allegedly. It, you know, we, we'd like to claim that, but I don't think it'll go over real well. The lawyers will probably not like that either if we said that. You should call one release like the Waterson Expressway <laughs> and then see if you get, if anything comes up, like have you gone to the city of Louisville and you have permission to call it the Waterson Expressway? Uh, that that could happen. We can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about the first batch because we're going to try the first batch and we're going to try the second batch. And we are a drinking show first and foremost. So who actually had tastes of batch one and wants to talk about it? Let's go guest first. So Aaron looks like he's ready and raring to go. So he, he always has really, really good taste notes. So go ahead yeah so uh i really i really like the uh, nose on this there's got a lot of cherry which i'm guessing is comes from the sherry uh portion of the barrel some nice oak uh, a lot of uh, when when he said maple syrup i had that on my nosing it's just lots of maple syrup good brown sugar a little bit of leather and pepper and light cinnamon it's got a little bit of like light citrus to it as well on the palate it's got a great creamy just mouth feel a little bit of dark cherry, pepper, got that cinnamon again, nice oak, a little bit of light vanilla, got a hint of uh, molasses and brown sugar, got a little light citrus. The finish is long, nice and spicy, got uh, brown sugar and molasses again. You could definitely, on the finish, I could really pick up the rum notes on it. I really liked it. What about your brother? What'd your brother think about it? I Jeremy K. Stephanie Tan. I, uh, well, I obviously enjoy high proof, and this kind of fit right in the wheelhouse. First, when I just first time I sucked it up in my nose, I just got like this vanilla frosting, like note to it, and and then uh, I got a little bit of honeysuckle, uh, slight peppery, 
and then uh, I wrote down sweet molasses and then as soon as you started talking about the rum finish I was like well that's where that's that's where that came from on my tasting notes I got I got a slight vanilla I got baking spices I, I got this the only thing I can equate it to is red hot I, I don't know if it's a cinnamon or something like that but to me it was like a red hot it was very very good a mouthfeel it was like super oily it was a little dry on the finish, which I like because that makes you just want to go back and get that next that next sip going. And then it had just a, a little bit of cinnamon as, as kind of in the back end of that. Joey. 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 You got it, dude. <laughs> so I got a lot of uh, cinnamon toast crunch on the nose. Uh, some honey, oak, a little bit of char on it uh, the cherries some citrus just a great nose love the nose on it palette was for me it was spice forward got a lot of the the same cinnamon the black pepper uh, more of the char from the nose really good body on it uh, some good viscosity to it the the finish long just a love a long finish love a long finish whiskey uh, it was it had some soft some sweetness to it too though uh, but it moves to the to the uh, to the more of the spice and just kind of the, the spiciness of it just kind of helped carry it out but just the the cinnamon toast crunch on the nose love that love that just keep going back to it I don't know if y'all have seen me, but I just keep pouring it and nosing it and nosing it more and nosing it some more. Notice the bottle keeps getting lower and it hasn't moved. <laughs> yeah, solid whiskey, though. Very nicely done. Dr. Baker. <laughs> Very similar to the, what was already tossed out. Uh, I think the only thing that was kind of different for me was the nose. It almost kind of reminded me of cider, but less like fresh apples and much more just ripe dark red fruits maybe like some apricots or peaches in there or something and then just picked up a little light corn somewhere way behind it palette wise i put on it as well-rounded corn just simply it wasn't young it wasn't off-putting i think most of us have had that at some point same time it wasn't over oaked it was just right in the middle where you expect all those flavors to be delivered from that picked up the light sherry mid palette kind of transitioned and caught that some and then uh, as they said as well it's a, a very interesting dry finish as it moves to the dryness somehow the rum just kind of circles back in there and a sweetness pops up at least I wasn't expecting by any means and to me that at first I'm not a huge on just an over dry finish but once that rum kind of circles back in there and you get a, a random sweetness like oh well, where'd that afterthought come kick in from mm-hmm. And that's uh, pretty much what I had. The best thing about going last is that I could just say I concur. (laughs) But the one thing I do want to bring up, and I don't want to keep saying the same things that everybody else did, because I I did get the spice, I got the sweet, I got the cinnamon. Zeke and I traditionally are not huge wine finish guys. And I think it's because of the dryness that it's just not our jam and we're always like if somebody can figure out how to do a good wine finish we would be in i think it's the mixture of the rum with with this that i'm like i'm in you know and and that's typically it's so hard for me to find a one i mean i remember i don't want to call out things specifically but we've had our fair share of wine finished whiskey on this show and and 
you get to a certain point, you're like, that's just really dry. And it's, yep. it, it's, there's some that get too dry and it just kind of leaves. It's not even that making your mouth want more. It's like, I don't want, want more whiskey at this point. I want water. Water. Yeah. I, and that's where I get turned off from it. I really liked the finish on this. And Zeke, I don't know if you went through that too. That was the biggest differentiator for me was, yes, there, there's, great notes throughout it but i think i was so damn surprised that i found a wine finish one that i really liked what i picked up on when he was talking earlier was you know specifically said you wanted to make sure it wasn't overly finished in that barrel and it didn't get too much of the characteristics from it just some and i've always thought that was the biggest issue for me personally with most finishes is like i always feel like they must have left it in there too long because when you pick up more of the finish than you do any attribute that you would consider bourbon or whiskey or whatnot, you know, what was your purpose here? Did, did you want a, a right. whiskey with a light hint of a finish or were you really trying to do the other side of the coin and just be able to call it whiskey? But yeah, it tastes like the other product that I like. And that's why I finished in it. Yeah. We, we, we really believe that you have to start with a really good whiskey. And if, if you don't have a really good whiskey, no amount of finishing is going to fix it. It's just going to make it taste like something else. Um, so we, we prefer to, to start with a good whiskey and then don't overdo it. That's cool. kind of I, I, I prefer bourbon anyway, so I don't if I wanted sherry, I'd drink sherry. Well, you, know. well, you, want it to, you want it to be bourbon forward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wondered too, since you did three blends and had already decided on a blend before you decided on the barrels, at any point did you reconsider any of the other two blends or <clears throat> try to sample or hypothesize no, how they uh, would have done? No, we really didn't. Uh, I guess we could have. It never really occurred to me. I, I didn't like the one that I blended towards the real heavy barrel tannins and barrel flavors. Okay. I wasn't a big fan of that. I know a lot of people really like oak forward stuff. Um, so that didn't that didn't get me. And then the other one, um, it just wasn't sweet enough. It, it wasn't spicy enough, I guess you would say, to pair with this stuff. Okay. So it, it really it, it wound up being the best of both worlds. I mean, we knew Bob and I knew which ones we liked before we took it to to, to the group to taste. And then the group agreed with us, and that just made us feel pretty good about it. So once that happened, there was no real, real no reason to, to go back and second guess. Gotcha. I always saw it when it doesn't happen. I just feel like yeah, oh, yeah. at some point you're like, I wonder, what if? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if we had gone the really sweet route, uh, there was a sweet one that was that was all brown sugar. I, I think it would have been too much sweet with the sherry and the rum together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so we never really went back and, and thought about it again. And we've used those barrels for our next batches and whatnot, so... We couldn't recreate those blends if we wanted to. If you ever need uh, taste testers in the future, you, you can come down to Nashville anytime you want. Just All right, we'll, you know we'll keep that. that in mind. We'll keep that in mind. So should we get into this batch too? I, I think great job on batch one. Yeah. What do you guys think? Any anybody? Uh, I don't think anybody at the table has any complaints. No. Yeah? Well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. No. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Such I didn't a, remember so much such from a the show, man. Like, it's like he watches it every night. It right I know. We I mean, I, I really think Josh I is still watching. I remembering it after he says, I'm like, oh, yeah, they did say I, that all the time. <laughs> listen, I could do that, Saved by the Bell trivia and Full House trivia. So it was, uh, the, the signal was cut as in across no, the throat. No, it was cut, cut out. That was it, yeah. 
Yeah, Whatever new, happened new. to predictability? <laughs> Good God. Start, start pouring something. <laughs> Let's go into batch two. It's not time for... Surprise. Now, you were talking about the... The, the, the dry and the paper boy and even TV. Oh God. That's not what I was going to go with, it's but I was going to go with the dry finish. You know, yeah. more, more whiskey related. Let's, let's uh, talk about whiskey, please. But no, you were talking about that. I mean, I, I think... Um, you can do a dry finish really well, and I think we were talking about pre-fire Heaven Hill, and for me that was that that's still one of the the more enjoyable dry finishes, and that's what that reminds me of. It's it's still got a, a lot of flavor to it, mm-hmm. but it's just a it's an an enjoyable dry finish to it. That's, so that's, I would encourage everyone to take a drink of water before you do the next batch because they are polar opposites are they? on the, the, the taste spectrum. Clean out your glasses. And so we're not heathens. This one, you may have said, and I just did, I missed it, but was this the same setup of you had opportunities to blend different batches, pick the blend you liked, and then they just tossed a random barrel at you for it? Or was it no, blended it, with, this one we, with the we intention also, of the barrel? We had also blended the whiskey. This is a blend of five and a half year Kentucky straight bourbon and 12 year Kentucky straight bourbon. Wow. But after we picked the barrels, we changed the blend. We added more of the 12 year because it's a little bit spicier. It's a little bit woodier. And okay. we needed that to offset the sweetness of these finished barrels. So this one definitely was more directed with the barrels in mind. Not yeah. mm-hmm. And this one is one, one of the things we say is it, every batch we do is going to be completely unique. We're not going to recreate a, a batch twice. So the first time out we know that sherry works well as a bourbon finish and we know that rum works well as a bourbon finish so we didn't have any worries about how well that first batch was going to do this batch when we first smelled those barrels i thought oh crap this is weird no so i got a side business for you right now you and i go on this together screw bob don't listen to this and zeke close your your mouth buddy i don't know who zeke baker is right now if i could get a freaking beard oil that smelled like oh, this. Like, because you know how all the beard oils are all, yeah. they're all piney, but it's all fake pine. Mm-hmm. It is the combination of the gin barrel, because I could tell it's that gin botanical, it's the orange, and then there's a little bit of pine in there from something else. If I could get a friggin' beard oil that smelled like this. Well, you could buy a bottle and just... Rub it, have at it, you know. Yeah, the, the cops pull you over. I haven't been drinking. Yeah, it's, it's just my beard oil. You <laughs> wouldn't just put it on his beard though. Like those moves where you like get him a handful and go from like the head down the head to the face, too, just yeah. kind of back and forth with it. Yeah, a little bit behind the ears too. It would be like Home Alone, slapping it on the cheeks. You have such a glow to you. What is that? <laughs> but no, the, the the funny thing about this is this nose is like it's like outdoor woodsman type nose where it's a little bit of pine but a little bit of the botanical like i can smell the botanicals in the gin on the nose it's really funny how if if we've told people what the finished barrels are they instantly recognize it they know of course that's the gin that's the pine and botanicals and the juniper and in the in the gin if you haven't everyone gets orange and only two people of about 30 who have tried this have guessed gin. I think... But they Zeke all, and, every single person says, there's something there that I recognize, but I don't know what it is. Zeke and I not so secretly drink a lot of gin. And I would have been able to identify it just because... And I'm not saying like, oh yeah, I would have been able to get... We, admittedly, Zeke and I drink a lot of gin. This I, is I the think, same guy that uh, missed y'all's last pick in a blind tasting, and I saw it coming a mile away and <laughs> laughed my ass off the whole 
time. By the way, it was a very good pour. <laughs> now I had just it. want to throw that tidbit in there because. <laughs> I didn't say anything bad against it. I no, you didn't. It's just when you were at the end, you're like, well, what do you think it is? I'm like, oh, John's going to miss it. You didn't compare us to MGP or anything. Oh, but the before. problem is when you say in a blind, so, so Bill, when someone gives you a blind, right. and it could have been a pick, and you have the network of picks that goes across all of the United States, and Zeke's like, yeah, you've had this pick before. I'm like, well, shit, I've had a lot of picks before. It's not helping, yeah. It doesn't help. That was you were setting me up to fail because you wanted to. It was to, setting you up to fail, but it, it, to me, it is so unique that it's hard to miss. It's what was hard the, to miss. What was the pick? It was an MB Roland Grandma's Candy Bowl. It was one that they picked at MB Roland last year. It's a very unique. The honey barrels from MB Roland are very unique. <laughs> yeah, I mean y'all's. Uh, we had one from Houston Bourbon Society, and then one that Prof picked. All very similar yeah. of just that unique spectrum of, damn, that's good, and it's different than most everything else yeah. out there. And yeah. I'd say, when, it, when the light bulb went off and I could see John scratching something, I just kept laughing like, oh, <laughs> man, this is going to end so But it, it's like butterscotch. It's, it's pure butterscotch. <laughs> and it's, it's like if... If your grandma had a bowl... Of candy. Of knockoff Werther's candy... Not not the real Werther's right. candy, the knockoff Werther's candy. That's what you get for being a jackass over there. You don't get <laughs> the full Werther's candy. You get the knockoff. We can't trademark it. She went to she went to Sam's Club. Like, hi, do y'all have any butterscotch? Like, anyways, we we've given people enough time. I've I've bantered enough where people have notes. Let's just go clockwise. Jeremy Cave, are you done? I am. You got um, it, dude. So, <laughs> so for, for the second sample, on the nose, I got, I got I got this like green apple. The best I can say is like a zest, like an orange zest. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what it reminded me of. I got a little lemon zest too. And then obviously we were talking about the the, the pine and the floral notes. And then I picked up a little like cedar note, like hmm. um, just a. Kind of in that in that pine floral, it just kind of stuck out to me. That was cedar, mm-hmm. um, and then for tasting, I got it was pretty spicy. We got the, all those baking spices. We had this like almost almost like a rye spice to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's maybe it's a more a high rye uh, mashable as you guys had. The citrus notes come back around. I got some slight floral notes, which kind of goes with the gin. And then uh, I got a, a slight oak. It wasn't over oaked. It wasn't. It wasn't weak, but it was enough that I could I could get it there. Mr. Bourbon Cave, you're, right. you're next. Uh, actually, I, I really dig this nose. It's yeah. just different, very different. But on the nose, got pine, orange peel, little apricot, vanilla, and uh, clove. It's a, an amazing nose. I could smell this all day long. Palette. First thing when it hit my tongue, I thought like an orange creamsicle. It's sweet, it's creamy, it's got this great orange flavor with a little bit of lemon zest. Um, then I got that pine again, rye, some nice pepper, a little bit of sweet corn. And the finish is long, peppery, with a little bit of dryness. It has that rye dryness to it, and then I got a little bit of anise on the uh, finish. Good pour. 
Mr. Brown. Me. All right. So orange peel, definitely very forward on that. Some pine. I got rosemary. I was picking up some rosemary on it. Just thinking of the, the whole herbal. I don't know. It, it was a very unique nose, very interesting nose. Like Aaron said, you just keep going back to it. You can't get enough of it. It's one of those that you just you just want to stick your nose in and just keep it there all day long. I love the palate on it. It's got it's got a good. It, it's super unique all the way around, all the way through. It's super unique. It's got a good spicy palate to it. Uh, long finish, like Aaron said, and I, I think you nailed it with the the uh, what do you call it? The orange creamsicle. Orange creamsicle. That, that's probably the best best description of it that that I could put to it. it it's just a. I mean, it's a it's a super unique whiskey. Super unique. And it's can, an orange dreamsicle. Dreamsicle. I like it. It's like you have kids or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a great whiskey. Compared to batch one, night and day different. They are polar opposites. Night polar day different. Seth all of a sudden turned into his delivery was like the the sweaty ball girls on Saturday Night Live. He just got very quiet and matter of fact. Like sweaty balls. Yes, this is <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's like, yes, this is nice. And, Ooh, and nice. Pete, where can people it's pick very, up your balls? It's very chocolatey. It's very <laughs> chocolatey. Focus trying to dissect still. <laughs> Would you like to try my sweaty balls? Pete, at season's yes. eatings, uh, people get my delicious balls every December. Where can people find your balls? <laughs> Bill's like Tennessee. Bill's like. <laughs> Bill's like, I'm never coming on this show ever again. <laughs> you said that, and that's all I can think of that skit. That's yeah. all I can think of now. But you got very quiet and got very matter-of-fact. Well, like, I was still trying to figure it out, though. It's like when somebody comes to you, and you're ready to place your order for your meal, and you're not quite ready oh, yeah, to place it you're in the headlines. <laughs> Sir, we're ready. Uh. I, I tried to warn you guys that after the first one, this is a complete polar It is. Yeah. It really yeah. is. We should, have this, like, we should have had this during the whole lead-in, because the, the 20 minutes of this would have been, you know, like, all right, I can still just keep going here. I mean, what I just, the hell it, am I drinking? <laughs> Seth is like ice cream. Um, uh, ice cream is good. Ro- I got rosemary uh, ice cream, uh, sweaty chocolate balls. <laughs> <laughs> Salty. Salty. Sorry. John always botches a line somewhere. I do. Before. Hold on. I feel like I need a, we need a batch named Sweaty Balls now. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to taste that. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> You're probably right. No, I didn't pass the line. It's Pete Sweaty's. It's sweaty chocolate balls. Yeah. I didn't pass the line. No, whatever. I call shenanigans. Zeke, you go. What did you get on this? I tipped my hand to Seth earlier just a second ago, but we don't use water a whole lot. But at first on the nose, it just got a little more alcohol than I really wanted. So I checked out the sample. It says 120.1. I mean, not the hottest thing in the world, but... It definitely made it a little harder to pick up a ton of everything else that was going on. But with a drop of water, to me, it just moved into such a better place. I know you guys are working on it now. Uh, it just seemed to be even I've even, already more, played, even more of a rabbit hole of like, well, what all am I getting? Like, where does this go? I've already placed my order. I mean, that's... <laughs> Um, I feel like the water muted the gin, but brought out the orange more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely orange. So that drop of water really tamed it down for me. And somehow there's a light oak that even comes out in there. And uh, palette-wise, to me, it, I mean, it mirrors it. Uh, just 
a lot going on as you swish it around, depending on where you, you know, which taste buds you hit, you really pick up something different. Uh, to, to me, it's for folks that have had some other, uh, you know, local finished stuff like the, the Black Bell being the beer finished whiskey. The first time I had it, it was really hard to pinpoint what's going on because at times you get like this whiskey shows up, then you get this dark beer stout thing going on, then some weird blend of it, and it's like, like what? Where is all this coming from? This isn't what I expect. And literally, that's the same feeling here. Granted, I like this one a whole lot better than I like that one. I mean, I could sit here for a while and probably pick up something different every time. But between the botanicals and the, the whiskey is very subtle in this. I do feel like it's much more yeah. botanical, orange, you know, citrus floral forward. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to see playing around, maybe adding a little more water if that brings the whiskey to, to life more. Uh, but I think this is one of those where, you know, one drop of water, you get a profile, like three drops, you get a different profile. Mm -hmm. You mix it with something, who knows where it goes. Uh, for lack of better words, versatile, I guess, would be the best thing I could say is, you know, what, what yeah. could be done here. But definitely, I, I, I like it regardless. <laughs> I, I'm going to jump back in here with the water. I mean, you, you recommended it while I was trying to place my water honestly, here. I'm, I'm not a big water yeah. guy. But, but to me, I think it... It brings more subtleties out on the nose, but the the palate it kind of not mutes it, but it, it tames it down mm -hmm. obviously. But I, I personally prefer the more spice mm -hmm. to the, to the palate without the water. So it's like if you could, if there's a if there's a fine line that you could walk, you know maybe I put in one too many drops of water. But if the, you could balance that between that nose and that and that palate, I mean, the finish stays strong regardless of, of the, the one or two drops that I put in there. But. Yeah, I feel like need it, it keeps you in check, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, but a little bit of water and you're just like. <laughs> and we're yeah. going to do everything at Barrel Proof, so we're do a you know, more. if if people like to add water to it, if they oh, yeah. that's the way they want to do it, then that's fine. But I, I we're going to put out the whiskey that I want to drink, and yeah. I don't really want to drink proof down. Yeah. whiskey for the most part it's just personal preference yeah. amen yeah. No, I mean, I, there's some great stuff that comes out in 90, 92, 94 proof but for me I'd rather get it at whatever the barrel proof is be that 105 or 125 I'll add water to it if I need yeah. to for this stuff uh, it's interesting how this has worked so far when people have tasted it you guys are the first media really that have tasted this um, so this will probably be one of the first if not the first reviews, I guess you would say, that comes out about this one. Uh, the, excuse me, this is a hobby. Hobby. We, hobby. we, are, not, <laughs> we are not media. Hobbyists. Right. We are, we are hobbyists You'll be the first hobbyist to review this. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, I'm dropping elbows on kids as they run down the hallway. That did happen. <laughs> I, That's a I, hobby, too. I know you were going to bring something yeah. up. Besides saying the beard oil thing, I really didn't <laughs> give tasting notes. But one of the things I do want to mention to you is that I think it's very innovative, and, and I could be wrong, and somebody get me, somebody correct me, which I'm sure people will if I'm wrong, but or you hear a lot about barrel-aged gins. You never hear about a bourbon finished in a gin barrel. I think if you're a gin fan and you're a bourbon fan, nobody ever thinks about flipping it the other way, where you get the best parts of the bourbon in there, but you get that botanical that comes from mm -hmm. the gin. One of the good things about bat and cleanup is I just have to say what the differentiator is. I don't have to go through all the notes that they did, but I think it is a huge differentiator, the finishes that you were putting on your whiskeys from, you know, batch one to batch two. And I'm super excited where batch three goes. 
But I will be buying multiple bottles of that batch, too, because I think it's just, it is so, cr- I could sit there and nose it at least for an hour or two, you know, and, and I'd be fine. And, and if you wonder what my hobby would be, you'd find me in the media room just going, nosing. <laughs> this is really good. It, it's just really, really good. And then the taste, I, I think it's when you have a nose that's that good. The fear I always have is that you're going to have that first sip and you're going to go, ah, wasn't as good as the nose. Mm-hmm. Trust me, we're not blowing smoke up your ass because there's plenty of people that we say, eh, we, you know, we like your whiskey, but we don't. And we say it in a Just nice go way. Just name names. Who do you hate? No, no, nobody. Nobody. Me? Let's talk about that I hate Zeke. That's the only person I hate. That's just because you hate his cupcakes. No, it's it's more. It goes okay. deeper. It's you a know, deep-seated hate. Yeah, it's I like you it. ever see the movie Step Brothers? Sure. <laughs> he touches my drumsticks yeah. all the time. Well, I mean, this is this is a family-friendly show. Let's keep that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you just touch my drums? Yeah. Let's talk about your drumsticks. <laughs> but the... You can make John insta-mad. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> but the... Zeke and I always say it's what, like you get that nose that's really good and then you take the sip and you go, oh, it wasn't as good as the nose. Or even if it was just different, it was a curveball and it wasn't what you were expecting from the nose. This was not only was it unique, but it was balanced and I think it was well-rounded. And I'm like you. I like getting high proof. It's kind of like having data. Mm-hmm. I would rather have more data on the Excel spreadsheet and let me cut it down yeah, yeah. than... Can't put it back in once you take it out. That's exactly. right. It's real hard to take water out of whiskey. Exactly. So I always talk about barbecue. You're not going to add barbecue sauce to a good smoked pork mm-hmm. before you taste the actual pork. Right. Yeah. Why would you add sauce to something that you haven't even tasted the flavor of it yet? Really, you know, we, we had a lot of conversations about that, even even with investors who, who a lot of people want to do that. And the reason you would do it in, in our standpoint, I can't speak for anyone else, is for money because, you know, you add 30 percent of water, yeah. you make mm-hmm. a lot more money selling yeah. that, even if you price it down a little bit because water costs nothing. Right. From my standpoint, I, I don't want to make a whiskey that I don't want to buy. That, that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah. So we're, we really want to challenge some pots. We want to do stuff that other people aren't doing. We'll have some more stuff that comes out that's a little more traditional over the years just it's just the way it'll be. Uh, but, you know, this was one of them. This was the first one that, that I feel like we really kind of really stepped out of the box of what, what is kind of normal, I guess you would say, with bourbon. And mm-hmm. I really like how it turned out. It, yeah. it shocked me, I would say, because, again, I, I'm, I don't like orange curacao. I just don't. I don't like the flavor of it, and I don't like any of the whiskeys I've had that have been finished. Yeah, there was before. a recent one that me and John, um, neither one. Yeah, and I just... <laughs> You know, it's not my thing. It's a little overpowering. It's a little sweet. In this case, one of the funny things about this is we've had a lot of people try these now. We've probably had, counting our investors and, and spouses and, and uh, some folks around Louisville, we've probably had 25 or more people taste this batch too. And then we've had some of our distributor salespeople taste it. And one of the interesting things is, is if you take the ladies who have tasted it versus we've had them taste our first batch this second batch, and then we have two we have samples from future batches that we're already tasting. 100%, I think, and there may be one exception, but 100% of the ladies think that that's the best batch. Really? And roughly none of the men do out of the four. I think that's just very interesting because the, the, you know, the, the female demographic in bourbon is growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it is. They apparently do tend to love it. Um, I almost wonder too if maybe it's the expectations much different. You know, a guy sees you as, oh yeah, he's, he's got whiskey. I'm going to be tasting some whiskey product he's, he's working on. 
you you go into that nose or that glass with whiskey on your mind, you, you might even jump mm-hmm. back from it like, is, yeah. this, is this a joke? Like, what's going on here, bud? And and do you that tell them what the finishes are before some they? Some have and some have I, I was going to ask it's because it's universal. It's very universal. And the other thing is, is that people who aren't into bourbon prefer this over our other stuff. Really? That that, that was the same train of thought I had. It was like. You know, whiskey folks, like, I think we had a blind tasting and that's in there and it's all whiskeys and you get to that, you're like, all right, what, what asshole's trying to yeah. trick me here? Like, what are y'all doing? This isn't a whiskey, you know? So Zeke and I get from like listeners a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke and I get blind, where, which is where Grandma's Candy Bowl came in, and, and Zeke cheated and looked at what the... Bullshit, son. You cheated to see what... How you? How else did you know Grandma's Candy Bowl was coming? I tasted it and wrote it on my card. I'm just saying, cheater. Cheaters never win. But, but <laughs> listeners will send us a blind, and that's part of the fun of it. But we know there's always ringers. Like, Zeke hates Dickel. And we always know that when listeners not send... I what I thought you were saying there. For <laughs> hates the D. And I knew that you were hates wrong. If that's what you were saying. No, but, but Zeke is not a Dickel fan. And people will always try to send him the Dickel. Just to get him to mess up. like The dickle. Yeah, it's the dickle. <laughs> but Zeke always sits there and, and just doesn't like the, the corn. Is that what you're saying? No, he doesn't like the corn. In all seriousness, it's, it's too corn forward for him, and he doesn't yeah. like the corn. And it's one of those things where people throw it in, try to mess with him. It's fun. You know, for me, it, it's interesting for me, with dickle especially, um, I think they make a good whiskey. My problem is if I drink anything else before it, any other bourbon, a Kentucky bourbon, Indiana, it doesn't really matter. I never really like the Dickel, any of their stuff, any, anything sourced from them or anything like that. But if I drink it first, I love it until I drink something else. So I, I think my issue with it is that it's just, it's so different. It's got that heavy kind of corn and peanut brittle mm, yeah. taste to it that it, it kind of, it, it's such an outlier as far as bourbon and whiskey goes. And that, that's, that's, my only, that's my only thing, my only real big opinion on Dickel is that I like it. But I think it's better on an island than it is in a lineup. <laughs> yeah. It could go so many bad ways. Back to the finishing Let's thing. Let's cut that part I, I definitely like the, the creativeness and the, the forward thinking because I, mean, I feel like for the most part, most finished bourbons that have come out are someone that just mimics scotch. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're like, well, why is all the scotch finishing this, you know, Sherry Oloroso, whatever? Did anybody like taste all these different barrels or ambiguously how many every years ago somebody's like, oh, let's just put it in that. Oh, we like it. Well, we'll keep doing it. Then the bourbon people, oh, the Scotch people put theirs in this for finishing. We should put ours in there for finishing. Like, no, you have two completely different products. You you can't just dumb it down to work Mm -hmm. good for them. Should work for us, right? Huh? Yeah. So, I I mean, I I like seeing finishes that aren't currently in the market because most of them just don't seem to be the best yeah. idea when they come in, come out of the bottle. We, we really want to, you know, if, you, if you're ever in Louisville and you get a chance to go see Kellen Cooper, just walk through the warehouse. I mean, it's barrels stacked to the ceiling, thousands of them, and being groups of 10 or groups of 100, it, it, it's just, it, it's like Disneyland. It's all I can say. It's like going to a shopping, shopping center or a mall or something like that, and, and anything you want to buy is there. You just kind of have to have the, the imagination to think, what, what is it going to taste like if I put whiskey in that? And what kind of whiskey is going to taste good if I put it in there? And that's why we rely on them. They know more about it than we do. They've, they've been there. They've, they've checked every barrel over by hand to make sure that it doesn't need to be repaired. If it is damaged, they repair it or they you know, break them down and build new ones out of the, the staves. Those guys know what they're doing. They know that whiskey. They know how it impacts 
they, they know those barrels, they know how to impact the whiskey. So we kind of take their lead on it and, and it's worked out great for us. I mean, they're, they're fantastic partners for us. And we can't, I can't speak highly enough of Kelvin Cooperage. And I think we have to go there, Zeke. We, we always talk about it. We need to just go up there and see them. The to-do list is always getting bigger. It is. It is. Where do you think you guys will go from here? Because you have other batches coming. Eventually, are you going to have to open a room? Like a, a place uh, in Louisville, since you all were there? Uh, I don't think, we, we don't really want to be, we don't ever want to distill, because I'm not a chemist. If The one class that I was awful in in high school was chemistry. I have no <laughs> business being around a still. Uh, so we don't really want to distill. I, I wouldn't mind at some point having a warehouse where we can do some blending and playing around with that, just so we can be a little more hands-on with it. Um, but uh, I don't know that we ever need a, a tasting room or anything like that. I mean, we, we have distributors in Kentucky and Tennessee, and, and they get it out into retail spaces and, and on-premise. Um, our next step is we're going to slowly increase the, the number of bottles in our batches, and we'll open up uh, the Indiana market next, I think. And then something maybe like Illinois or something along those lines. Sounds like a good plan. I just want to say hats off. Great job. We wouldn't say it unless we meant it because we could have said like, oh, well, thanks for coming in. You know, but no, I, I'm really impressed with what you have done. And, and I think it's seeing somebody that's in a similar position as, as us going and doing something more than that and, and kind of taking it to the next level. There's an envy and there's a jealousy, but there's also uh, an awe and there is a, uh, admiration so great job I'm, I'm very happy to see what you guys are doing and i can't wait to see what you do in the future where can people find Forgate? you're on instagram at Forgate. we're at uh four gate on instagram four underscore gate and then same thing on twitter um and you can email me at bill at fourgatewhiskey.com that's whiskey with an e because we're americans and that's how you spell whiskey america america uh, america um yeah, it's, and you can find us at fourgatewhiskey.com for our website. And right now, Kentucky, Tennessee, and soon to be Indiana. Yeah, well, it'd be, probably be next year, Indiana. So it'll be a little while before then. But right now, Kentucky and Tennessee. So Littman Brothers distributes us in, in Tennessee. They're great partners in Republic National in, in Kentucky. Uh, well, I mean, it does take Indiana a little bit longer to get anything like national championships in basketball, things like that. So too I much mean, destruction on the roads. I don't know how much I really want to say about Indiana since they're a future market for us, but they no, we'll really do wear awful, awful uniforms. They do. say the candy stripe pants are terrible. <laughs> go Cats. It's okay. No, Indiana, I'll, I'll gladly say Go Cats. Indiana makes some good whiskey. I will say that. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I enjoy their race. They I enjoy do a good the, 500 up there. They yeah. do a good 500. Uh, I just don't enjoy their college basketball team. That's I'm, it. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Well, thank so, you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was fun. No, we, we definitely appreciated having you on. And to Stephanie and Jesse and, and Joey <laughs> from the, the Firewater Review, I, I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming in. You know it's always a pleasure every year when you guys when we get our one week a year when we crawl out of the attic the attic yeah. <laughs> i think zeke was in the, actually in the attic today <laughs> baking cupcakes in the attic. melted cupcakes in the attic oh we did compare you today on the so when you listen to that podcast we compared you to the uh, aerosmith album toys in the attic <laughs> <laughs> interesting to see this for the future no. So is, is is the fire firing back up for fire water soon? So I mean, that's the elephant in the room at this point. Nobody brought up. It's possible. It's it's possible. It's possible. It may only be like once a month, but it's possible. 
Hey, you know, you, you, you yeah. work with what you have. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in and, and we will make sure to tell everyone when the fire water comes back, if the fire water comes back. But Can I say something? I want to give an honest review right now. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Seriously. Yeah. Nah. Because y'all give honest reviews. I mean, it's, there's no BS. Uh, there's no smoke. There's no mirrors. I mean, when you taste something and you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Uh, it's blind. I mean, if you guys listening want legit reviews, I mean, I talk to John and Zeke a lot. Uh, I mean, these are these are the most honest reviews that you're going to get. Uh, so I, you know, I appreciate these two guys and and what they contribute to the industry. And I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, thank you, sir. I think uh, the only thing that proves that is when you have a guy who put his heart and soul into some whiskey, and you said it smelled like beard oil. <laughs> <laughs> it only proves we are honest to a fault. But I meant I'm beard oil. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I meant beard oil <laughs> in a very good way. Born it out. Uh, go ahead and find us at, on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Find us on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever it is. We are on it. Please leave us an open and honest review just like we leave open and honest reviews to all the whiskey we drink. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao. See ya. See ya. Later.